Like I usually like my songs to be about something. Whereas like other times I w- I'll write something that I like don't know what it's about. Like I usually like my songs to be about something. I'll write something. I'll write something that I like something that I usually like my songs to be about something. I'll write. I'll write. I'll write. I'll write. Hello and welcome to Artistry. It's a podcast where we talk about our feelings and art and how art makes us feel. I've got a really cool guest today. He's kind of a local legend over in Winnipeg, Manitoba. His name's Micah Ehrenberg, and he's got quite a few amazing albums you should definitely check out, as well as a new band, new release under the album the secret beach which i believe he is on tour with right now yeah we get into it today it's pretty uh, pretty nice conversation we've known each other for quite a long time we uh, we talk about uh some great local bands we talk about why everyone should be as excited about tape as micah is and uh yeah i hope you enjoy this is micah Ehrenberg for especially your first record like what was your thought pattern did you write all those lyrics first and then you were like i gotta put some tunes to it or is it all kind of meshed together you know yeah i've been thinking about lyrics a lot lately because i think i probably mostly because like at the present moment i haven't been writing very much um even though like i would say that the last few songs i wrote were like some of my best um as far as like you know yeah. what i think is a good song yeah um like lyrically speaking you know at like overall but like it, you know we're you're on talk- the subject of lyrics you're talking about like frozen in time that stuff i uh, know actually frozen in time was written years ago uh, and recorded years ago oh, um weird. like probably four years ago okay uh before mm. my last record mm. um but um like before the whatever it was called love is going to find you um but uh but you know uh thinking back to like you know if you're asking specifically about poor mike's toe probably all over the place because i think usually it's an idea you know it's oh i want to write about this or i got you know a lyric comes into mind but it's like kind of at the same time like I find like often I get a lyric in my head, like even this morning, I thought of something that was like, oh, that would be really cool. But it's like, it, it's, you know, right. it's not really, I don't have a subject. So like, I like, it's like, oh, that was a really cool line, but I don't know where to go with it. And I have a really hard time trying, you know? So yeah. with a lot of, I, it's pretty consistent from like then to now uh, that like, uh, usually it'll be like something that's either like top of mind for me. Uh, like, uh, that's like, you know, has been in my mind lately. And then like a lyric will come into mind that like makes sense to that subject. And then I'm like kind of on a roll of like, oh yeah, I know where I'm going with this. And I usually find that when I don't have that thing, uh, it like, the song doesn't end up being finished. Like I'll like come up with ideas and it'll, it'll be there. And then like very rarely, sometimes I'll write the whole song, but like, I'm, I'm just like, oh, it's not, uh, it's not done or it's not actually like, I, now at least I know the arrangement and it was a really cool like musical kind of like experiment, but like, I'm going to have to rewrite the lyrics to like make it more about something. 
rather than like this mm-hmm. vague thing. Like I usually like my songs to be about something. Whereas like other times I w- I'll write something that I like don't know what it's about. Experiment, 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 experiment. 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 I usually like my songs to be about. I'm gonna have to rewrite the lyrics to like make it more more something rather than like this vague. More, more, I'm gonna have to rewrite the lyrics to like about make about something rather than like this vague thing. Like, usually, usually like, like my, my songs to be about something. Whereas like other times you end up, you know, drawing a boat or something. Whereas like other times I w- I'll write something that I like don't know what it's about, but like the lyrics kind of make sense with each other and it's sort of more like um i would compare it to like making a painting um like if you're painting a picture and you're like um oh i'm gonna i'm gonna paint a forest uh and then you like paint the forest and like you know all the things that are going to be in the forest like that's one way of doing it uh and then the other option would be like i'm just going to paint and like not really know what it is yet, and maybe it become it starts off more abstract, and then you actually it reveals its meaning to you, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, and then like you end up you know drawing a boat or something, uh, and like but you started off with just like some blue paint or something, right? Uh, so like that can work too, but um, or like it ends up it's it it's like intentionally vague. Like I was like I remember reading about some like songwriting practice where it's like or like some somebody like some songwriter that i really admire uh or something like that i was reading an interview was like but like writing nonsense lyrics this is a long time ago and like how like sometimes they make sense later on and sometimes that happens i'll write a song that i don't know what it means and then it makes sense later on yeah or like even is like a story song it like is a kind of a fake like a fictional story uh yeah and they're like like is a metaphor for something in my own life. Yeah, and like, like, maybe that's just me drawing conclusions, yeah. but with poor Mike's toe, it was written over a long stretch. Like the first song, like I probably wrote one of, I think one of the songs from poor Mike's toe I wrote when I was like 15 or 16. Um, or no, I'm that's one off. Love is going to find you, but same thing, probably poor Mike's toe. Like, you know, 16, 17, there was probably, and then like up to when I recorded it, I think I was like 22, 23. So there's like a long, a few years of songs there. Mm-hmm. Same with Love is Gonna Find You, sort of the same thing, a few years of music. Whereas like now I'm kind of like caught up. Like my music that I'm doing now is like, I'll write a song and it'll probably get recorded in the next few months, you know, yeah. if it's really good. Um, yeah. So yeah, Poor Mike's Toe, the songwriting process was different. It was like some of it was a bit more abstract. And then a lot of it was like sort of more like a high school, you know, you get like that yeah. when you're like a teenager and you have like all like you're discovering like how to think and yeah, things. That's, that's super cool. Yeah. Like I wish I could. I think that a lot of songwriters or just like writers in general, like really hang on to like maybe it's not that like actual age but like that time in your writing when you're starting to write or like even those like or like maybe not when you're writing but maybe it's that time of your life when you're young and you like your brain is kind of like firing off like in a different way than you're used to you know and it's not necessarily that it's that you're young but it's that things are new and like 
to me, I kind of feel like that's a, that's part of the art of maybe honing in on songwriting. It's like, you know, putting yourself into a place where things are new. Maybe that's like, you know, why some people try to like do practices to get themselves out of their own head. Absolutely. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah. And like, so you're saying it's from a place in your childhood. And I think that's what, yeah, super nostalgic feeling. All the tracks on that, they got that like kind of plucky, like nihilism thing with um, like, I want to go to sleep forever. And that kind of, you know, I like that a lot. I really like uh, uh, Call the North, I think it's called. Is that a right. true story? <laughs> I, I mean, you don't, yeah, you don't it's, not that, it's not about it's you. It's not about you. Yeah, it's somebody else, somebody else's story. Cause yeah, uh, there was actually like some, you know, there was some hesitance to put that track on, on the album. Uh, but like, uh, me and my buddy talked about it, like the person who it's about, and mm. he was like, you know, yeah, you should do it. Yeah, um, I I really and talk about. It sounds home recorded. You got like speaking of you know recording a podcast in your in your house, but you've got like doors opening and there's like a hush and like a winter's kind of hush almost in this song. Just like, you know, I think that re-listening, I was re-listening a little bit today and, it, you know, that track especially. It's just like, talk about it being vague and like not necessarily knowing what it's about and you just have like an emotion that you, you know, it is sort of like a nostalgic, like it's an, it's an emotion because when you hear a story like that, you relate to it and if it hits, it almost seems like personal to you. It's like, oh, that was weird. How did you know that about me? How dare you, you know? Uh, at least that's that's how it feels when somebody does that r correctly or whatever. It can hit. Yeah, isn't, isn't that the goal, right? Like, isn't that sort of... I mean, it's not, like, the only goal, but to be able to write something that means something to me and to you. goal but to be able to write something that means something to me and to you um, and and then to be able to do it in a way that is like like I can write something that's vague you know like I, I can write a song that's like intentionally when I'm writing it oh this is so not about me or it's so like vague or general uh, even if it's about like you know this particular thing, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, a failed job interview <laughs> or something like that, you know, like, it's like I can just make up a story about that that everybody can relate to, you know? Right. Um, but when I can actually write about, like, like the failed job interview that I had, yeah. you know, and that, like, I went to and I didn't get the job and, like, I know, I know, like, the actual details. When I can write that down, and then I can, it can still be meaningful to somebody else. Then I'm able to like convey 
probably the most amount of emotions. Yeah. Because I can like use a real experience for my like thread of inspiration. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. When you hear lyrics like that, it's also like. You know, it's almost like someone put the words there. You didn't even really necessarily know those were the words. Like I find, I really like Dan Mangan a lot. And we were just talking about how there's certain songs of his that like, if I'm singing it, I might actually like, not like cry, like get choked up. Cause like, they're so, so personal to me specifically. And he has so many of those kinds of things. So right. yeah, that, that, that nature. And um, yeah, it's just kind of cool. Like Dave Matthews. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> certain people just have super emotional songs, you know? Right. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, how can you, how can you, you know, convey your emotions um, without making it about yourself? Because you don't want to hear a song. Well, you might like, I guess there's, there's the level of that too. It's like, what is the point of your songwriting? Because for me, like, yes, the point of my songwriting is to entertain, you know, because I would like to record those songs and like perform them or have other people hear them. But there's also a level of like, one big thing I've realized, especially lately is like, the meaning of making music to me. And that is like, you know, like let's say like because of the pandemic and not being able to play or um, I've released a little bit of music, but it's like, you know, not that much. And I've really just been making music so I can just write songs about myself and it really, it really helps. But there's also like that sort of, um, there's that balance between too personal to the point where it doesn't affect anybody else. Or maybe it does, but it's like, uh, it's kind of a gamble. And then there's that level of like, sort of like having it to be used as a tool for like self healing or wellness. And then, being able to like convey that to somebody else when you can do that if you want to do that it's amazing you know uh yeah does that make sense kind of oh, yeah that was great i mean i think about that a lot like that's a good way to phrase it like what 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 are you in this game for you know um and a yeah. lot of people probably say you know fame or something which is strange when they say that i, I remember when i was in in jazz school or whatever i said i wanted like the not the admiration but i wanted like the respect of my peers like i wanted them to go oh yeah you know he's x good or something which is so warped looking back on it and sort of kind of not realistic when you think about like performing music um and yeah lately it's like i just really want to make connections like i want to make i want to connect with anybody because then it doesn't really even matter how big the audience is because a lot of the times when I'm playing with a friend, um, you know, I was just trying to learn my friend's songs at Tiny Fest because their drummer bailed and they needed, you know, me to learn these songs at it was like two in the morning and, you know, pitch black. Ooh. And she's playing these beautiful songs. And it was just like, you know, I just like that more than, and I realized that's really what I want. So, and it doesn't really matter how, yeah, how big the audience is necessarily. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's true, right? There's um, there's an artist uh, in Winnipeg that I got into recently, or like over the last over the last uh, the last year or so, called the Famous Sandhogs. I don't know if you've heard of the Famous Sandhogs. No, 
That's great, though. Uh, yeah, and uh, Sandhogs has been nobody knows who it is for one, which is you know, uh, okay, it's it's amazing. It's it's honestly like kind of driven me a bit crazy because of how uh, <laughs> how cool it is uh, and how like genuine it is. And I've I've uh, I've emailed with him a little bit, um, like through getting an email through their Bandcamp page and stuff. So I have like some insight into their process and, and why they do it, I think. Yeah. Um, but basically like Sandhogs has been making music uh, since I think 2006, anonymously, and has recorded thousands of songs. Uh, okay. And their Bandcamp page is, is full of uh, music and it's all, um, very meaningful it has a lot of meaning like every song is about something very meaningful it has a lot of meaning like every song is about something and they'll even they even have these uh, projects called songs poems, where you can send your poem in, and they'll make it into a song, and you usually get your song back within a day or two. Uh, and so whoever it is 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 making music every day, right? Writing and recording a new song every day, and has been doing this for like like twelve years anonymously though. No, no, for like for like whatever that is, fourteen years or something. All right. So, that's incredible. Yeah. There's so much. I mean, and that's kind of why I wanted to to try and get this, you know, podcast going. There's literally so much going on in Winnipeg that even I don't know about. Like even at Tiny Fest, there's a guy named Blonde Goth. This guy's insane. Right. And he was singing just incredible. I remember I was having a conversation. I was like, I'm sorry. I just need to walk away from this conversation and just sit. <laughs> Because he said something like, you know, just remember when you're watching Star Wars, it's the rebels that we're fighting for or whatever. And just I was like, I would never have. That is so strange. And he's had a bunch of stuff like that. Super genuine song songwriting. And, you know, blink and you'll miss it almost. It's just weird. TJ Blair. Yeah. That's that guy. Yeah. He's like, he's been one of my favorite songwriters for as long as I've, I can remember. Wow. Like, yeah, I, see why. I remember being young and seeing him, and he was, I don't know how he's got that much older than me, but yeah, I couldn't tell he you. He's really incredible. Yeah, um, totally. And uh, yeah, he's really incredible, that guy. He used to play in a band called The Magnificent Sevens. Whoa, I've heard of them. Yeah, okay. and you should definitely check them out. I will, yeah. But it's cool. I don't know if TJ uh, like doesn't, write that often at something but he's he does a lot of the same songs that he's always done yeah like uh, I, the city will uh whatever he's got a yeah i totally heard this song before it was like he wrote that song holy crap that's great i know the city yeah, will rise again i think it's called but yeah yeah the city will rise to heaven it's like that's, yeah, that's like it. such a such a hit such a like rock banger you know yeah it's like an anthem it's incredible Anyways, yeah. I'm just like playing at this like low key festival at like three in the afternoon. I was like, what the hell is going on, you know? And I'd already yeah. seen like Snacky is a local group. I'd never heard them just like 
Spice Girls for 2021. Like, it was just bang, bang, like just an insane act after insane act. All saying pretty much what you're saying is like, damn, COVID was hard, but it's nice to be here. <laughs> and, you know, it'll probably yeah. go away again. So let's have, let's play some music. You know, it was a very strange sort of event, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, music festivals have that way about them. Yeah, they do, especially right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you find do you find performing or recording more relaxing cuz I get really stressed out <laughs> recording especially since covid was just me in here and it was just like too much me and I would get in my head about stuff and eventually just kind of ran out of steam. So yeah, just curious about that. That's a very good question. Um, which one is more relaxing? Sometimes I feel like um, it is not the doing it is not as relaxing as everything else other than doing it. Right. Um, but that it's very gratifying. Mm, that's a good one. Um, yeah, it, for me, it's hard to kind of categorize either of those things as being relaxing right. um, <laughs> well there you go but it can be it can be <laughs> relaxing i know what like you mean it's, it's working, yeah but it's more like the process of knowing how to relax you know like mm. when i'm recording it's so like you're saying like you get in your head yeah. like i love recording um but like it can be frustrating or even boring or things, you know, like, yeah. except when it's working and then it's the most amazing thing. And it's like, and not, maybe not so much relaxing. It is, it is, it is like invigorating. Like, it's like, yes, like this is so good and exciting. And, you know, absolutely. to me, like the idea of, of playing something and then being able to play it back, uh, especially off of a tape really like, you know, it really gets me like it really, it really gets me invigorated and excited. And I think like that translates into the feeling of being relaxed later. Tell me, um, yeah. Tell me everything. I feel like we should do like a, like a, it'd be like gear zone or something. We'll have a big voice come on that says gear zone. Um, Cause I want to know <laughs> everything. <laughs> Just tell me, tell me more about like tape reels and like, you know, why, why you love them so much and why, you know, People should be as excited as you about about them. Because well, you told me once, but I just it was like whoosh over my head, you know. I I like the process of recording through tape. I like mm. the. I feel that it forces you to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more decisive, or a little bit like uh, like when I'm recording digitally or when anybody is recording digitally here or, you know, in my experience, uh, I find that your brain has the ability to go and start thinking about something else very easily. And when you're recording digitally, it's so easy to do that because the pressure is not on. Um, and, you know, with analog, like, you, you do do punch-ins and that type of thing. Like, it's really not the difference is not like, you know what I mean? Like if you're like, let's say I record like a guitar track 
and then I want to like do another guitar track over top. Uh, so I, like do like the song I play at like from beginning to end. And then like, I'm like playing the lead part and like, oh, I screwed up in one spot, but like the whole take was good. I can just like, you know, play the tape. And then as the tape is rolling, I just like have a little punch in pedal and I like hit the pedal and it like starts recording. And I like play the part over that I messed up. Okay. Um, right. And then I punch out, you know, which is cool. And like, you can do that in digital, but that's not how you would do it. Probably most people in digital worlds would say like, because they have the ability to, they might record like the whole thing, three, four, 15 times, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they might choose their favorite parts. And yeah. when you're doing it, when you're doing it that way, it's so much easier not to care as much about the fourth take or the 10th take, because you're like, oh, it's somewhere in there. I'm going to have the good, the good performance. But it really does take out the performance aspect. Like, you know, you know, there's you're you're a performer you know like and like what's what is it that we like about performing live it's that we like we practice and then you're able to like you know have that pressure like oh like i might screw it up and i want to be able to play this well because like digital recording really does it really is a breeding ground for like getting you out of practice of performing uh because you know so, so that, that that's one side of it now you could also say like yeah true but you know you could just record digitally with the analog rules you could just record beginning to end all the time you could just do punch-ins and like i i'd say like a hundred percent you know if i was going to uh if i was going to record digitally i would do it that way you know i would and i don't think that i would lose like that analog vibe um because that's like part of the process for me. It's like, you gotta know how to perform. Right. And, and you know, honestly, like there was a time probably, you know, Pro Mike's Toe-ish, post Pro Mike's Toe-ish area, probably my, my second album, when I kind of lost touch with that, like not intentionally, but like I definitely did like start to give in subconsciously to like some of these like leeways that digital recording has. Right. Uh, and like, I found that when I finally like made the jump to analog, like, and and by that I mean like I had like a cassette recorder, like a four-track cassette recorder, but I was like, I want to make albums that sound like hi-fi-ish, closer to hi-fi, uh, on tape. So I like got a really nice tape recorder, like you know, and like that was like kind of my investment for like the recording I'm making now. And it did take me like a little bit of time to get back into the flow of like recording yeah. a whole song at once. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to play the song. I'm going to like, you know, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to press record and I'm going to perform the song and then I'm going to press stop at the end and then I'm going to rewind it. And then I'm going to perform the song again on a different instrument. And like, that's like, why I like analog recording more so is the process. And then also uh, the uh, the physical limitations of your machines is different. Like, you know, the fact that like my recorder only has eight tracks on it, you know? Uh, so like I have to work around yet another limitation that forces me to make decisions uh, on the spot rather than down the road. And it forces me to do things like 
rather than setting up a drum kit with a whole bunch of mics and like thinking, oh, I will have like two overhead mics and like two snare drum mics and like mics on both the toms and two mics on the kick drum uh, and then two room mics and then, um, you know, auxiliary mic somewhere in the middle of the kit uh, and then like maybe a hi-hat mic and like something else maybe like and all that stuff and then being like, I'm going to record all that and then like choose what I want in mixing later on. Now I'm more likely to go like, I'm going to start with three mics. I'll have an overhead and I'll have a kick and I'll have a snare. And if me or whoever's playing the drums plays and I'm, I listen to it and I think, oh, you know, for this song, I actually want some more toms, then I'll add some tom mics. Right. Or maybe I'll add a, another overhead that's kind of mm -hmm. like, one is maybe focused more on the tom side of things, one is maybe focused more on uh, the snare or, or cymbals or something like that, you know? And like, it forces me to make the decision, commit to it, and then, because usually I'm putting my drums on two or three tracks when I'm actually recording. Like, even if I have like like five microphones, I might, I'll, I'll condense it down through a mixer before going to the tape machine. Right. That way, if I want, you know, more toms, I put the mics on and then I probably just like sum them with the overheads or I sum them with the with the snare or the kick or whatever, whatever, you know, is right, right for the song. Uh, and it forces me to like make those decisions first. Um, and then it's kind of like, by the time I'm done recording my song, it almost sounds mixed. You know, like, it, or at least it has that feel where I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I'm like amped up. Like, this sounds like how pretty much how it's going to sound. It's only going to sound better uh, through, like, you know, adding some some flavor to the mix rather than like, oh, yeah, this sounds good. And it might sound completely different. And I actually don't know. And I might end up like opening up a Pro Tool session of like 32 tracks and like, you know, oh, I'm going to solo the, this, these drums and like see how they sound. And like, I find that usually in that process, I lose uh, like my ability to like critically discern what is good and what is bad very quickly. Like within like five or 10 minutes of listening to like different drum mics, I'm just like, if I didn't make a decision by then, I start to lose my ability to like know what I actually was going for. Cause they all sound good. You know, you recorded them all well. Like, right. so, um, yeah, so there's there's that there's there's that there's like the commitment and of analog, and then there's like, uh, there I guess there is something to be said about the sound of tape. Um, it does have like some audible limitations that people argue are are vibey, if that's like a, a term that's even like worth throwing around. Like I don't know. Like, uh vibey i mean you do some like uh you're talking about like going backwards and stuff i think you do yeah, going backwards or like even just like like you know like my tape machine like it's frequency frequency response is not like fantastic i have two tape machines i have an eight track and a 16 track nice the 16 track is like great and it sounds pretty darn close to um just clean <laughs> digital, you could right, say. Right. You know, like like digital recording is so advanced now that like you can record and you will get like a very uh, 
it's like if you're going for like optimal sound digital is the way to go you know if you're going for optimal sound in tape like two track is like like the bigger tape or two two inch tape like the bigger tape you have you know in the right conditions the fidelity of your music will be higher because your physical space of each track is larger so you have more space to put audio on yeah. uh it's kind of like in a way not really but you know i could you kind of describe it like a tv that has like four pixels versus a tv that has 12 pixels you know one is and like computers work that way like actually like that's how it works is like it has like it is split up into samples uh into like frames per second kind of thing um and and so is analog in a way but it's slightly different in that it's like not cut in like um linear it's like like it's not per second it's like the samples are little bits little bits of information that are always crossing over each other so you're not really able to hear um the actual um like changes the actual breaks in time whereas like you know you can't hear those with with digital either but some people argue that you can uh subconsciously some people some i i heard i was reading one thing from from uh, an engineer uh that uh, out of california that has worked with like bob dylan and the band and you know on some of my favorite records of that kind of um 70s awesome recording era um yeah yeah and and he was saying like it's like a fluorescent light bulb versus a uh incandescent light bulb uh you know which is like we don't see the fluorescent light bulb flashing but it does hurt our eyes you know mm. uh and it's like that's, interesting. that's what's happening with digital is it's like yeah. how many how many times is that light bulb flashing before your eyes? And if it's flashing yeah. fewer times, it's actually more stressful than if it's in very small breaks, it's more like nothing at all. Hmm. So uh, there is that, there is that part of analog recording where you're like, um, to your ears, maybe it is actually less stressful um, over time to be listening to music uh, through an analog medium. And yeah, when you think about the way people still feel about vinyl, which, you know, audiophiles can go on and on about, but it's like there is something nice. And like, yeah, I like that light bulb analogy a lot, a lot, a lot, because it's like there's just something nice about putting on a vinyl for some reason. And it is actually kind of similar to what you said about um, just limitations, right? Like you listen to the half of it. You don't like stop, you know, oh, what was that 10 seconds? You don't do that, but you can. And people just like hit, you know, one song on repeat for a lot of, you know, modern pop music and stuff like that. But if you put on a vinyl, you're going to listen to generally like kind of there's a random track on there that you don't necessarily even like maybe, but you're listening to it and you're like, all right, this is a strange Elton John song, but I'm, I'm on board, you know. I know Yellow Brick Road's coming down, you know, down the pike. Well, so. and there you go. So and that's sort of like kind of the same thing, but also, you know, with vinyl they physically have to cut off certain uh, low frequencies because it uh, 
the needle can't handle it. So it actually has less, less low frequencies, you know, and like with tape, if you're recording to tape, uh, you know, most tape machines don't record lower than around like 20 Hertz or, or so. Uh, so like, uh, with digital you can record any frequency. It's just eventually you won't be able to hear them, you know, cause our ears can only hear certain frequencies, but like, yeah, you can re theoretically record any frequency. Uh, and it will be, it'll exist there, which is why you have to do like certain filters for vinyl mastering to get rid of things that you may have recorded without knowing it. Right, like, yeah. let's say I was recording like a really heavy bass guitar or something. And it's like got like some super, I mean, maybe even a bass guitar is not like a good example, but let's say something that's super low end um, that I might not be able to like hear it anymore but like that's going to make my vinyl skip or whatever um Whoa. so like you got to get rid of that uh and some people will say like yeah like even just not even the stuff that we can't hear getting rid of it like makes it an easier process for listening you know yeah. uh and then like there's obviously like you know the vibe again like if the vinyl has a vibe you know because it's like cut into vinyl and it's like there's the little grooves and it's like a physical it kind of like you know, <laughs> yeah. medium of thing that we're that we're kind of like feeling and listening to at the same time. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, yeah, so yeah, that's really cool. And, and then also like back to the recording side of things, like and probably like I would say I would say probably the the uh, most like decisive factor for most people, or at least. For most people I've talked to about recording analog versus digital is the no computer screen and Whoa. Um, not having like, then, you know, we're talking about the flashing light thing in a, on, in an audible sense, a sense like about like, you know, hearing samples versus, uh, versus not. And like that, I would say that that is, pretty easy to argue that that it's just not true that if you're if you're recording in a sample rate that's high enough that the human ear probably it's probably so high that it just won't won't matter i don't know about that like i i, I something something between not looking at the computer screen and hearing music off of tape uh allows me to record uh like exponentially longer like i can record in periods of time that are so much longer um and like you will you will hear the response from artists over and over again that record a song to tape versus computer like nine out of ten times they come into the recording session not wanting to record analog because they're nervous about the fact that they might screw something up and that it won't sound as good. And 10 out of 10 times, not 9.9 .9 out of nine times. I haven't had this experience, but that people don't like it. But at the end of the day, people say that it sounds way better. It feels way better. And you're like not wondering if your song sounds good. Yeah. There's almost like a, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. I wanted to say, wanted to say minutia. I don't think that's a word. Was it feng shui? I don't know. There's like a, a ness to vinyl and there's like a ness to recording on tape. Like I'm, I just learned all of Gladly's music and he has a new track that he recorded with you 
and it's on tape and it's actually a little detuned, you know, like uh, like old Stevie Wonder records and stuff. It's like right in the middle of two keys and it's just cool. It's like super edgy and I don't know. It's just like yeah. you, yeah, you get a cool reaction. Well, I mean, you can hear it because like, you know, and even with, even with Glenn's music, like with Gladly, when, when you were here recording his music digitally, yeah. Um, for the most part, we were committing to things. We were doing things in an analog style, you know? I was going to say and it sounded just as, just as good. Like, I like those recordings as well. Um, yeah, and those recordings are great. And, like, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm saying, oh, digital recording is bad. And, like, you know, you shouldn't <laughs> do it. Because, like, I'm totally okay with digital recording, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's kind of like, I guess, you know, what I'm trying to explain in this is that I prefer the analog process for these reasons, but I don't, I'm not against the digital recording, but I do find that if I'm staring at a screen for more than like a few hours, it does get very troublesome as far as energy levels goes. Taxing. And I do find that like people typically, um, typically walk out of the sessions feeling more refreshed with the exceptions of course of like you know a lot of i mean just just like digital recording i'm not saying is inherently bad it can be great and those gladly sessions are a great example of that because like yeah. at the end of that of that weekend or whatever it was three or five days or whatever uh you know we had mixes that sounded pretty decent and glenn like you know who is like the main person yeah. to be kind of basing our successes off of because it's his project was super excited and was like yeah. these are amazing and that's like the goal right it's like when yeah. you're when recording it doesn't always go that way like i've had so many recording sessions of for my own like even including one right now that i did that, that was on tape where i recorded and i'm like i recorded too much stuff over the course of 10 mm. days and i i am lost on you know right, like right. honestly i'm lost on and uh, it needs work and I've just like intentionally put it aside and decided that I'm going to like come back to it when I have the time, uh, to like do it without stressing myself out. But like, you know, listening back at the time I was recording, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And then it kind of like was too much to wrap my head around. So yeah. like that can happen with analog too, mm -hmm. but I definitely like, um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, yeah. Um, for the most part, the the actual making of the music is not more is is less exhausting, or is like actually like energy feeding when you're doing analog. And like that Glenn that Glenn track sounds awesome. Hey, like the one there. Uh, like every that, time I wake up. Paid. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Or yeah. Bartholomew was cool too. Had that really, yeah. um, like just bright in your face, almost like a folk punk song or something. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, it's funny that you said you put that away because we did a rec or, or uh, a few songs as well. Um, yeah. And I just like sat on those. Like I, I was, I've recorded a music video for um, my newest song or Deja Vu, I guess. And right. I'm, I'm realizing like. I, I leaned over to my drummer, Kevin, and I was like, it's a little slow. And he's like, dude, it's so slow. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, all right, okay. Maybe we, uh, maybe we just, you know, do it again. And then we had this whole conversation. I was like, because none of this matters, you know, if we really feel that way. If it was a little right. slow, 
Like it's pretty slow. Um, like the recording know. is slow. And it's funny because we made it in a vacuum. I'd never played any of those songs with people before. Like I didn't right. really know how they sounded, which was a mistake. Like I think that you should kind of go into a studio, like not to keep going back to Glenn, but like I've been in lots of studios. Like he knew exactly what he wanted. And I think that's really helpful in recording it, situations. And I don't even know what I want. That's the problem, <laughs> which doesn't help them at all. <laughs> yeah i i've i've run into that problem often uh where it's like i'm like notoriously like recording songs that i don't know how to play and like notoriously like don't know how to play my own songs because i record them so early in the process and i find like when i'm doing it myself it can be really fun that way to be like oh i'm just gonna like throw stuff you know at the wall and like see uh what i get um but like, um, you know, that only really works when you're ready to either accept the result and like release it or don't release it, like finish it and then like release it or don't release it. Yeah. Or like <laughs> you're willing to go through a bit of a process of like maybe some editing or just like being creative with it. Like, for example, with your song, if it's too slow. You know, like my my thought if I was recording on tape would be like I would come to the point of thinking, okay, I either have to uh, like take off the instruments that are going to be affected by a speed up like vocals. Like, you know, you can only speed up vocals so much before it doesn't sound like your own voice. Mm. Um, whereas like drums sometimes really benefit audibly from a speed up. Wow. Uh, so like I would like, I would probably like, <laughs> take off uh drums and maybe maybe bass but maybe not like hmm. uh you know and i or maybe i would just like keep all the things that were gonna like they required tuning because like once you speed up a song like you're gonna go out of tune uh and then i would like hmm. speed like pitch it up and speed it up as much as is acceptable and then like record the vocals again or something and, like then <laughs> you have a that's a really good like idea, that? man. I was like, you're like, or whatever. I was like, that's a really, really good idea. Like, holy cow, I don't know why I didn't think of at least trying that. But I, I felt like it would all just go, like, almost like sound like, what's that hamster song, you know? Where if you try to speed it up, or have you done that before in the past, like sped up songs? It depends. Like, okay. for example, Glenn's Bartholomew song is sped up a little bit, you know? Mm, um, like, it's sped up, like, probably less than, less than a, a quarter tone like it's like you know and like as far as bp i don't know what the what the conversion is as far as like bpms versus like uh like sense like pitch sense mm -hmm. but like uh you know it's not it's not much like you know when you when you're speeding up like you maybe have like i want to say you maybe have like three or four beats per minute before you start getting into the territory of like you're starting to sound a bit hamster, you know? That's super funny. Um, but, like, I, I speed up my songs often. Like, I would say if you listen to almost any of the recordings that I have, that I like, not the recordings that I've released, but, like, of, like, the Secret Beach project. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, you know, I'm getting ready to release music. And it's all on tape. And I, I speed up a lot of it. And I just speed it up a tiny bit. And I find that, like, Sometimes it can really tighten up the frequencies um, and the feel of a performance. Like even a performance that is not 
that many instruments, but like something about just like speeding it up a tiny bit can really uh, bring together uh, a, a mix in an interesting way. Um, yeah, that's super intriguing. I'm definitely going <laughs> to try that tonight. Yeah, it is. And and it's slightly, I find it it's slightly different. There's a lot of like, even like the program, the recording program Reaper, like will you can just like speed it up without correcting the pitch. Hmm. Um, which like, is another solution or like po potential solution for your song is like, you know, speeding up without correcting pitch digitally. But I do find that like, uh, harmonically, I think I'm pretty sure that, uh, speeding up on tape, uh, feels better. Like, I feel like when I speed things up in digital, I can kind of tell that I've sped it up. And when I speed things up in analog, it's like, still feels very natural like it's like the tape is just rolling faster whereas like i feel like when you speed up digitally it's like maybe messing with the samples or like maybe i'm just like it feels a little more jagged or something like that yeah. um but i might i might be making that up that might be completely <laughs> in my head, so. <laughs> that's, that's funny yeah <laughs> yeah maybe but yeah that's, that's pretty funny there's a lot there's there's yeah um you know like with with that with the, that record that i was just talking about the one that i made that i'm like kind of sitting on is like there was a live band thing and i had written like i think it was about there was a lot of songs we recorded like 15 songs or 16 songs or something so it was a lot of songs that we ended up recording and we kind of like none of them we didn't know any of the songs before um people had heard like acoustic demos and had kind of like thought of some ideas we basically like arranged them as we were playing and you know like i was kind of thinking of records like like uh you know like bob dylan records they're basically just like live records maybe with like a couple overdubs here yeah. or there yeah um, a good example for sure you know, and, and that's like, you know, there's different stories about that, that, that kind of stuff. But like you hear, you hear about Bob Dylan productions and him basically like walking in and playing the song and just trusting his band and yeah, being like, this is how the song goes now, you know? And that's like really cool. It's kind of being very cool. like less precious about your stuff, <laughs> but also I'm sure he was very you know, I'm sure he cared a lot. And if things weren't sounding good, probably, you know, uh, or like how he wanted to, like probably put the work in to get them yeah. sounding better. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, you're going to be hiring people that you hopefully trust and, you know, and they hopefully want to do your music service. Like that's usually my big thing when I'm playing somebody else's music. It's like I almost am more nervous. <laughs> When I'm playing someone else's stuff, a little bit, at least in this my point in my career or whatever, everyone. Yeah. Because it. it's like, yeah, yeah it's, I just don't want to, don't want to play the wrong chord or something on their music, especially, you know. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. I I suppose I'll you know let you get on with your your whole your day and all that jazz. Um, but I had, I'm just gonna, you know, we had Gear Zone. I felt like that was a good little segment. 
Yeah, yeah is there any other gear, yeah. gear zone questions? I don't yeah. know what I can tell Let's you. Let's give her. Um, how about how about Desert Island? And it'll be like a, you know, like Desert Island, maybe like a reggae kind of a sound uh, could happen. I don't know what what that would be like, maybe like a conga or something. I don't know. We'll figure <laughs> it out. We're figuring it out. Okay, so you're on a desert island. Um, what you can only bring one geet. What do you think? I can only bring one. What rather? Sorry. One, one guitar. Um. That I own or in the world? Oh boy, I didn't tighten this up. How about that you own? Probably <laughs> my my old Gibson acoustic. Um, okay. I have this old like 1950 Gibson. Um, I think it's called an LR2, maybe. I have to say though. It's, yeah. it's the one that holds up the best, so it's the most enjoyable to play every day. Mm, so you're thinking, but it like, is kind of specific. In the like, if I'm on a desert island, I want a guitar. It's not going to break down. Like, you're not going for sound. You're just like, I just want a sturdy guitar. Yeah, it's a really sturdy guitar. <laughs> um, so is my Yamaha acoustic. Um, that would probably be my second choice, or maybe even first choice. I feel like I feel like the action would stay pretty pretty in check on a desert island like the climate would be pretty consistent <laughs> and uh right you know. that's good i like the metaphysical parts of of the desert island game it's like it's not just about that man you gotta think you know? uh, yeah we have to consider the climate throw some heavy strings <laughs> on it you know <laughs> um okay uh and then what one album that'd be that'd be the other question but you know again you know you gotta be able to listen to it all the time, which is a big part of it, you know. You can run, Whoa. run it a lot, all, all day, every day. <laughs> that is, I've, I've thought about this a lot. Favorite albums. I know, it's a lot of pressure. There is something really special about Neil Young live at Massey Hall. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. As far as an everyday album. Because there's really nothing yeah. wrong with it at all. And it's like a live record. It'd be like, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember live concerts, you know. Speaking to, yeah, your your thing about it sounding like a real concert, you know. It's like your record should almost sound like a live concert like that. You know, maybe. Ideally. Yeah, like a really good live concert. <laughs> yeah, if you're Neil Young, then yeah. Yeah, live, yeah Neil Young live at Massey Hall is up there. That's sweet. Towns Van Zandt Rearview Mirror is also up there. That right. might take the cake. It's also live. Hmm. Um, well, yeah. Heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Check it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, those are. I don't know what beats those albums. I'm that's, sure. That's great. Yeah. I've asked. Uh, I have a couple of Desert Islands like questions I've been asking at work girl said no doubt uh what is that one no doubt record uh, tragic kingdom and I was like that's fantastic it's like it's like th island themed you know what I mean that's, that's <laughs> you picked an album with the thought that you were going to be on an island you're like well obviously you know don't speak right I was like oh yeah totally smart <laughs> yeah so there's no that's true actually <laughs> on the beach Neil Young on the beach <laughs> Yeah, That's maybe more desert island vibe. <laughs> Sweet man.
Yeah. What else? Desert Island. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe there should be a third one. Hmm. I like, yeah. How about just like favorite, you know, are you a big movie person or not as much? Not so much, but I'd probably go with Fargo. <laughs> oh, man. Just <laughs> a bummer, eh? Just, yeah. I don't know. Or like a great movie, but yeah. It's just Fun. genius, you know, and it would remind me of home. <laughs> that would remind you of home is uh getting well, I won't spoil the movie, but it's not exactly like a, you know it, it wouldn't elicit fond memories for me of like home necessarily. But you just well, because it's like cold and like Don't you just find that like Fargo is like the closest Hollywood interpretation of Manitoba? Like there's never been like, a Manitoba movie. You know, like there have been, but like that's not pretty. Yeah, that's. I mean, just even. I mean, it's at the beginning of the film, so it's not even a spoiler. But you say, "Oh yeah, we got you know, here's a there's a dead body." You know, oh geez, like just that. You know, that must be what it's like. You know, for murders in Canada, like it must. I mean, probably not that cute, but you know, uh, just that idea of like there's just these nice people, theoretically. Yeah. You know, that don't mean anybody no harm. Yeah, I I think that like the reason I like Fargo so much is because all of the characters are characters that you have met if you live in the prairies. Right. And yeah. you know, you it's like there? pretty. It's pretty close. Warm up. <laughs> yeah, like, bunch. So what's the deal now? Gary says triple homicide. Yeah, it looks pretty bad. Two of them are over here. Where is everybody? Well, it's cold, Margie. Watch your step, Margie. Oh, jeez. So... Oh, jeez. Here's the second one. It's in the head and the hand there. I guess that's a defensive wound. Oh, yeah? Where's the state trooper? Back there, a good piece in the ditch next to his prowler. Okay. So we got a trooper pull someone over. We got a shooting. These folks drive by. There's a high-speed pursuit. Ends here, and then this execution-type deal. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if our suspect was from Brainerd. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. From his footprint, he looks like a big fella. See something down there, Chief? No, I just think I'm gonna barf. Jeez. You okay, Margie? Yeah, I'm fine. It's just morning sickness. Well, that passed. Yeah? Yeah, now I'm hungry again. You have breakfast yet, Margie? Oh, yeah. More made some eggs. Yeah? Yeah. As far as like the, you know, if you want to call it culture. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's like they, you know, that they juxtapose it so well with the villains per se, because they just like don't belong in this humdrum town. Like they're very polarizing, you know? Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> right on. That's, that's a good, good answer. Yeah. What else could I tell you? <laughs> um... Yeah. What else can you tell me? Now that we're into it, 
into the desert island. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I'll give. How about this? Okay. I'll give you some artists that I that I'm going to send send home with the audience. Okay. Okay. That's that's fantastic. So, famous sand hogs. We've mentioned famous sand hogs already. Yeah. Get your note. Um. Casey and Clayton. Oh, huge! Greatest, greatest band in existence. <laughs> no, yeah, a live band. You know, like they're alive, and that's pretty cool. Well, yes, Casey told me um, that they record their albums pretty much live. It sounds like that. I'm just getting into them now, but yeah, they're incredible. Yeah, Casey's coming to Europe with me. <sighs> awesome that is really awesome i i raspberried but i did it as like a that's incredible you know sort of that kind of raspberry yeah she's gonna play she's i'm going to her house right away oh man today (laughs) no she lives nine hours away oh okay that makes more sense it's a really inconvenient distance for a love affair but that's okay you know (laughs) you know all uh (laughs) all great things come of you know uh, toil and sacrifice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. And so we're, I'm going to go there and practice for the next couple of weeks and then we're going to go to Europe together. It's Holy pretty, cow. Pretty sick. I think actually we're leaving in like 10 days or something. Whoa. So not that much time. Well, man, um, have a great time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Casey and Clayton, best band yeah. in the world. Yeah. Um, no at all. The Waverly Pickers. They have not released their album yet, um, but an amazing album. I, I got the inside scoop. I heard it. I was the first person ever to hear it because I recorded it. Right. Wow. Um, cool. Um, yeah, that was the best. It was the greatest experience of my life, recording that album Whoa. Um, and mixing it as well. Who else? Um I'm trying to think of like artists that people might not know. Yeah, you I mean, know, I don't. I didn't know Sound. Yeah, Soundhogs. That's a great name for a band. Soundhogs. Sand, the famous Soundhogs. Soundhogs. Yeah, that's great. The famous Soundhogs, Casey and Clayton, the yeah. Waverly Pickers. Yeah. Um, you know the usual suspects around Winnipeg. Yeah. Like yourself and oh boy, Gladly <laughs> and Boy Golden. Oh, love Boy uh, Golden. Sophie Stevens. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Sophie's top notch. Sophie is like, man, you know, I would say that. Yeah. There's a level of, of genuine, uh, like, you know, when an artist plays and you're like, it's like, it's not just talent. It's like, it's like just quality, you know? Yeah, I heard her play at Tiny Fest, and I I'd said it I'd said it at a couple sets because it was really, it, it was really intense. Like Boy Golden played and Lucas Roger played. It was just like okay, all of you were really, really incredible. Lucas Rogers band. Oh, well, there's other ones, Lucas and Madeline. Yeah, like, their band yeah. is incredible too. But Lucas's solo stuff is like whoa, like you know, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and all that stuff. And then Snacky, yeah. which yeah, is like, Tiny Fest also, CSN one. Yeah, 
So I was just really <laughs> overwhelmed. And Sophie <laughs> played a solo set. And I just said, I was like, I think the word is like, this is really special, which is like really like flowery. But it's like, that's the word. Like she's just got like her melodies and all that. It's just like, just cuts right through you. Speaking of, of you know, writing emotional music that has intent, you know? There's so many good bands from Winnipeg. Yeah, I've just, I'm blown away. That's kind of the whole idea behind who I could even ask to be on this podcast. Yeah, I went to school with Brendan and I didn't, he was playing jazz drums. I did not know that he could like (laughs) be a rap superstar and have like this insane group, insane writer, you know, just didn't even know. He recorded there too, right? What? He recorded with you as well, right? No. Or no? That would be a dream of mine. I really, mm-hmm. you know, one day somebody will tell him. <laughs> I uh, I have this eight track machine that I just have this dream for some reason of recording Super Duty on it. I don't know. Like, I just think it would be amazing. And I think that the vibe would be so cool. And it's like, it's like the eight track machine is like sort of an iconic deck. Like it's like an all in one, yeah. uh, like mixer, yeah, tape machine like those old hip-hop records and you know yeah like. it's used on so many hip-hop records like right. that's like you know yeah. it's famous for like mac demarco and then like cool. uh andy choff like and chad van galen and like that kind of vibe like those mm-hmm, mm-hmm. artists use this machine a lot what machine um, out of curiosity it's called the Tascam 388 all right um and yeah it's like it, it, it's it's limitless if you combine it with digital it's um cool which i think is how a lot of people do it and then like also keeping things on tape is like totally possible with it but like you know i think that it was actually used a lot for a lot more records than people think like you know green day's first album or first two albums and like the the beastie boys first couple albums wow. and I think the Black Keys first album and hmm. um, probably a bunch of albums that nobody knows about, you know, because yeah, you sold just... me at Andy Shaw for sure. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're expensive. There, I know of one that is for sale in Winnipeg. Maybe yeah. not anymore. Um, oh. I actually bought it and then I gave it back to uh, to the store because uh, it wasn't worth fixing it, but. Uh, Oh, I see. Um, it's just a bit of a gamble. It needs a new head. The heads are really hard to find. There's one for sale. It might not be in good shape. If you buy it, it's like a like $2,000 investment that might not work out for you. I thought when I bought it, I was out of town and I got somebody to pick it up for me and I was told that it was in great shape. And then I got home and I was like, this thing's in terrible shape. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they accepted my refund. Well, you know. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank James. you, man. Like, thanks for asking me to talk to you for a yeah. couple hours, whatever it's been. Yeah, honestly, it was super informative, honestly. It was cool. Cool to talk to you about, like, craft and all that. It's kind of kind of the, the goal, you know, a little bit. But we got into songwriting a little bit, a lot. Yeah. We got into recording quite a bit. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I didn't ramble 
I, mean, I know, I know, I rambled, but you know, <laughs> hopefully it was interesting. It's a podcast, man. You know, music recommendations, a little bit of health yeah. X. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Bunch of yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Desert Island. Yeah. <laughs> I like the Desert Island. We'll, that'll keep. We'll keep that. Um, and yeah. yeah, if I if I don't see you before you go, have an awesome time in in Germany. Thank you very crazy. much. That's crazy, crazy. Thanks. And yeah, have a beauty rest of your day, man. Talk to you. you too, Jay. Talk to you soon.